On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tanish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. The Left Wing Podcast is in association with Aldi Play Rugby, feeding the future of Irish rugby in over 1,200 primary schools nationwide. Matewa, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Let's have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. William, how are we? I'm great. I'm re-energised, I'm reinvigorated, <laughs> you know, I'm re-enthused. You know, I, on the podcast last week, I kind of was, you know, I was a bit depressed, I was a bit downbeat. There was a malaise. There was a malaise, yeah. inter- it was an eternal malaise. Thankfully, yourself and Keane tried to perk me up and by with the weekend, yeah. I was back and the Saturday was... Seriously, uh, all a serious note now. What were you thinking? They were always going to be great matches. I, I don't know. Oh, come on. Leinster-Ulster on paper was not going to be a great match. It was a 15-point No, we, should, we, like. we, but we both, neither of us thought that. We no, all I thought know. it was going to be tight. You yeah, gave it a yeah. good sell yeah. and it was as good a quarter-final as I've ever been. I stayed until the end this time. I, you know, I'm usually well at the, done, usually at the door at Well done. And did you enjoy the end of the game? It actually was. Right? Well, yeah, you know, like one trust break the penalty, I was going to halfway out of the seat, but like, you know, but, no, I, I actually stayed till the end of the time. Of course you did. For I'm sure you're, but it was yeah, that's an unusual. I, I, I know you, yeah, I'm only messing, but like, I know you're, you're rugby mad. So, um, yeah, no, look, it was a cracker of a game. I was delighted for, uh, for Ulster because they I think played it's amazing. I feel like it's been the culmination of maybe a year and a half, two years of just a real grind for them. Um, I feel like a lot of the signings that they've had, I thought could see it was unbelievable. Thought Jordy um, Murphy put in Jordy a big Jordy Murphy was great. Marty Moore was excellent. You know, McCluskey, all these guys who've maybe, you know, have been lots of injury prone, different things like that. And they've actually just been, they were great. They all played brilliant. And it just shows that they're, they're it's welcome back to the, to the top table of European rugby as far as I'm mm. concerned. And I was delighted for them. Obviously, on a personal perspective, you know, from a personal perspective, I was delighted Leinster when I'm, a, I'm still a Leinster supporter. But um, if I had my neutral hat on, I was delighted to see Ulster back at the top table where they belong. So it was great to see. Great. To yeah, see. and we're going to have Tommy Bowen in just a few minutes to talk about that game, the Munster game as well. But uh, I guess one game that was also re- really exciting was Rossing to lose. Some of the rugby on show, some of the offloading was was absolutely outrageous. Ah, uh, it was crazy. Yeah, like uh, look, I don't, I don't take much stock in the offloading part unless you've got dominant contact, and I. You think, killed Joy. 
I'm, I'm not, just talking I, about it from a purely aesthetic perspective. I, it looks great, it like but it's robot. not very effective against teams who are very organised. Saracens would eat that up. I think Leinster, when they're defensively, when they're all back together, about a few weeks together, they'll eat that kind of stuff up. That kind of stuff won't play. Won't play against top teams. Mm. You're defend, you know, playing against a New Zealand team, an England team in the World Cup. French teams doing that stuff. Doesn't play. Won't play. Works one in ten times. It's not going to play. Sorry to be a killjoy. Um, it was a great spectacle. It's not like Joe Schmidt piping that through <laughs> out of your mouth. Like. <laughs> it's not. I'm sorry. I just feel. It's just. I believe that. I believe you have to. It's. I, I'm offloading is great. It is so good to watch. But where it's really great is when you're dominating the contact and when you're making high one. You're making offloads that have a high probability of coming off because yeah, you put them like, under pressure. Like that Toulouse one out the back door or the side door. Was, that was, <laughs> that's a one in a thousand. It was like. great though to watch, but they still should have bloody tackled them. It was terrible defence, and there was lots of terrible defence over the weekend. Will I'm going to try not mention it if I can, <laughs> um, but I have to say I was just it, I just love rugby. I just love it. <laughs> it was a great weekend. Um, I was buzzing watching the games. Uh, I should have been studying, but I was watching the games, and it was just brilliant. I just Sound like loved a teenager. It. I just loved it. It was brilliant. Like the the it was so engaging. It was exactly what I hoped it would be. That Leinster Ulster one, the Munster Munster Edinburgh game was fantastic as well. Uh, the endeavour from both teams, the grind to get over the line <laughs> in both it's games. Funny. One thing I found funny about the Edinburgh Munster game was before the game, you know, uh, Shane Horgan was asked on television. Oh, you know, Richard Cockrell has brought in, you know, a, a great spirit about them. Like, what was your old impression of Edinburgh? And he's like, they were just so soft, so. Off. And I was thinking, hold a second, Shane. I remember a couple of times Lancaster went over to Murrayfield in the Champions <laughs> Cup and got beaten badly and got knocked out. You've seen to have slipped his mind completely. Yeah, well, I think generally we always felt like we were going to win over there. That was the issue. Dangerous. That was Dangerous. The issue. You really, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, look, they're a tricky opposition to play against. They always were, but I feel like they've got a steeliness about them now. And mm. pretty much for one mistake, and we'll talk about that in mm. detail at some point, I'm sure, in the podcast. Yeah. But uh, poor old Tyke Burns getting a bit of a backlash. But um, I can kind of see his point of view on it as well because it happened that kind of stuff happens all the time in the game mm. uh, where it goes unchecked by the referee because oh the impact wasn't big enough for it to really affect things well it does affect it if someone checks you if someone's in an offside position affecting you connecting with your defenders it affects the game you know so I, I just don't buy that stuff you just need to penalise that stuff out of the game as well as you don't like to see the dive mask mm. but from a Munster perspective geez, they were great Will they were great. I was delighted for them. I think they've got a big ask against Saracens, but that no Carberry, it looks like as well. Yeah, well, look, we we'll wait and see on that one. I think we don't want to be too premature in that. But he, uh, if I was him now, I'd be trying to get that thing right. You know, he's too. It's a big part of his game. That kind of attacking prowess when he's in open spaces, he needs just get it right. Just leave everything aside now. Get it right because that'll haunt you for the rest of your career if you don't get the hamstrings right. Uh, I know too many players who've had problems with it didn't get it right initially and came back too early and it caused problems for the rest of their career. So just just get it right. Draw a line in the sand and say, listen, we're we're not we're, that line in the sand isn't being crossed until we've got this we've got over the line in this and we've figured it out. We're hundred percent sure that if you open up fully, that you're not going to have an issue. So um, he needs to do that quickly. So you were a cup year and you have a big summer behind him to get it right as well. So just get it right before they're real. Cause I think they're going to be, I, I, I've my gut feeling is that I think they'll be really hard to beat in the league. I think they'll struggle to beat Saracens away. That's a really big ask. Well, yeah, you know, Saracens, I don't want to give away too much, but I've done a, Top four mm. Champions Cup power rankings. You know, there's only four teams left. <laughs> so, yeah. it it's not like your your <laughs> usual. But go on anyway. Well, you know, Saracens are now number one. They've supplanted Leinster at top. My rank. I haven't written them down. I'm just doing it from memory. But with four teams, you know, four teams you should be able to memorize that. Yeah. yeah, Saracens one, Leinster two, Munster three, Toulouse four. 
To lose four, yeah. Yeah, away in the Aviva, tough, tough ask. Oh, sorry, like your criteria just change all the time. No, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's not on the team. No, it's, 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 it's very, but how, okay, look, your ranking system's dodgy, but we'll, we'll. Uh, so it's six parts. I, are you, your, your ranking is basically on their their chances of getting into the next round. The chances of winning the tournament. Six parts. Winning the tournament. So if there's 10 parts to this ranking, fine. six sorry, parts. That's fine, I get the Six criteria. parts. Are how good the team is, and four no six parts is how likely they are to win a tournament. <laughs> You're not even sure. And yourself. four parts is how good the team is. Uh, I I agree. I think Saris look like they're in pole position. I still like oh, like beat Glasgow without own foul. Who by the way, like if you would have now this is a hypothetical, obviously like hypothetical question. I know you don't have any children yet. And I don't know. You're married as far as I'm not married. married. You're yeah, not married. Will, married Will, either, I'm not married. As far as I Jesus, how well? Like Jesus Christ! Well, I bet you've never been married. As far as I know, I've never been married. No, no, and I'm not married. As far as I know, you've never had any children either. So not that I know. Of, that go on, anyway. But would you, if you, if your if your wife was or partner doesn't have to be your wife necessarily. If so, if your partner was giving birth and you had to play a big game, what would you would you miss the game for it? Um. I suppose a, a quarter final against Glasgow you probably, probably depends. Yeah. yeah, I I feel like oh, it's tricky. It's very tricky. I, I have a feeling about my own dad. I think might have missed something. Missed one, but like now we have there's five of us. So I don't know which one, but I have a feeling he might have missed one for a game as well. But I think it's fairly dependent. Like it's you only have ten years of a window for this. Mm. Um, it's his first kid. You just don't know these days. You don't know if you're going to get another chance to be there for that special moment. So, mm. I think, in the context, I'd say he's right. Yeah, definitely. No, sorry, no, there's no, sorry, there's no right or wrong. But personally, no. you can see, yeah. like, on my own personal view, you sounds like you'd be for your the first birth. one. I think I'd be ah no, you'd, you'd I send wouldn't. a plush toy to the hospital <laughs> on your behalf. Like, you know, well done, babe. <laughs> uh, you, you did great. Uh, no, I. I know I'd be there. I think I'll be there. It's too risky to mm. wink. To, no, wink. no, 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 wink. wink. There's no he's wink. He's winking. Uh, just a, nah, I'd be he's there. I he's think winking and nudging. Maybe if it was a final, I think maybe yeah, you might like, say a Glasgow oh. quarterfinal. Maybe give it a miss. But if it was a final against Leinster, he, he's playing that game. I, maybe yeah. I think he might be yeah. Because like I, I think look with the with the medical care. I think you got to go on the base on probability wise. You got to say that. In this scenario, everyone's healthy, everything's perfect, so there's no like. But you no, know, you hang on, no. So all that has to come into your decision making. Yeah. But these day, but this, this day and age, it's very unusual. As long as you have nothing kind of unusual in the build up in terms of doctor's feedback or whatever, you know, <laughs> well, you, you have don't to, need get, to dig that. Bit. Well, I, you asked me the question. I'm <laughs> going to give you an honest answer. Okay. So I'm going to try and give you as honest an answer as I can. I've got okay. to take all this information. So if, if everything's looking normal, you say very unusual circumstance that something bad happens or whatever it may be. Um, nowadays, they do all that stuff very well in in the hospital. So you might say, look. This might be a once in a lifetime opportunity to win this thing. I've been trying to be a professional rugby player since I'm five years old. Since mm. I knew what I wanted to do, I wanted to do this. I think I might go for the game if it's a final. If it's a quarter final, sorry, lads, you're on your own. I think that's a good reason. Well, do you think? Yeah, I, I think so as well. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure my missus doesn't listen anymore, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we'll turn to more serious matters on the pitch. Delighted to be joined on the line by Ulster and Ireland legend Tommy Bow. Tommy, thanks so much for joining us. Well, good to hit, good to chat to you. Well, Lukey, how's things? Tommy, I'm very good. I am bloody glad we won that one on the weekend. <laughs> Jeez, what a match. What a match. Uh, incredible, yeah. It was just, I mean, I was actually, I, I watched it on the TV, which I was kind of glad to be watching the TV because I got to rewind it back and look at it and look, watch it a few times. Um, I mean, the incredible atmosphere. And yeah, I mean, I feel pretty sick, to be honest with you, that, that we came out the wrong side. But I think in terms of 
where Ulster have come from, you know, a, a huge, a huge statement made. And uh, yeah, listen, uh, not maybe the the result we wanted, but uh, a good, a good, a good performance. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's it's. Jeez, I, I, I got to watch as well. I wonder, like, are you the same as me when you're watching it on your own where you're literally cursing at every single mistake? And I, like, I am honestly... That's not on your own. You watch every Pro 14 match with us. I'm shouting at everyone. Thankfully, they turned the microphones off during the match because that's pretty X-rated stuff. Yeah, I know. I was, I'm trying to, like, explain this to people. I was like, I, you don't understand. I actually can't go to a match with just support because if they heard the things I say about some I'm of my so closest intrigued. friends I'm so intrigued because you, I don't really, see, you don't really swear that much when you're in with us so I'm surprised that you're such a foul mouth lout when you go to rugby matches honestly oh he's an absolute lout honestly any mistake in there like you'd swear I was the perfect player honestly I, I literally will be cursing people's families now it's that bad like but so it's like you know a, oh, basic, a basic knock on and you're like yeah effing, uh, Tommy will tell yeah, you yeah effing B. <laughs> I mean a simple knock on like how could you do that? I never would have done that. You know yourself, Tommy. I would have never dropped the ball like that. That's how I mitigate I mean, these things. I always look, mistakes. I always look to Tommy and I'm like, Tommy, you know I would not have dropped that. Well, you wouldn't have dropped well, that. While we're, we're on the subject of dropping balls that maybe other players might not have dropped, Tommy, oh, Tommy, Tommy, well, I bring in that obviously the Jacob Stockdale moment. You know, I'm here with two former Ireland international wings, so well versed in scoring tries. Tommy more than Luke, it must be. I said. have four to my name, Will. That was prolific <laughs> yeah. enough. Well, Twenty-five less than Tommy, <laughs> but uh, so I'll actually direct this question towards Tommy because he's more used to it. But you know, what, what did you make of the moment? Jacob's getting a, a bit of stick, I guess, for not finishing it off. But but what, what were your thoughts? Uh, listen, um, it was pretty it's heartbreaking stuff. I think for Jacob, I mean, he he tweeted or Instagrammed after. I mean, how much it's how much is devastated over it. But yeah, listen, he it's something that in such a huge game, how big a spectacle it was, what an incredible performance it was by Ulster to make a mistake like that. You know, will haunt him for a while, but. You know, I'm sure Luke has been there. We've all made mistakes. I've I've dropped the ball uh, over the line. Thankfully, it wasn't in such a a, a serious <laughs> game as that. Uh, but I remember early on in my career. Remember, you used to use a sticky spray in your hands, Lukey. <laughs> no, never. Um, <laughs> I well, did. I was I, absolutely well, plastered in the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the very start of my career, I thought, oh, I might try this sticky spray. So I put some in my hand, and we were playing Edinburgh away in Murrayfield, and I remember. I scored a half decent try or made a decent break and was just going over the line and dropped the ball over the line. And I swear that was pretty much my first season for Ulster. And I never used sticky spray <laughs> ever again after that. Uh, so that was a lesson learned for me. And I think for Jacob, you know, in a, in a massive, massive stage, um, a huge game for Ulster. And, you know, for him to get into that position, and what a game he had. I just saw if he was pretty much a class above most other people on the pitch on Saturday. But uh, that's something that obviously will be a huge talking point for, for Ulster supporters for a long time to come. But um, yeah, listen, I'm gutted for him. He could have put the ball down earlier, but there was no need to put, him, put the ball down earlier because, you know, he wasn't under any threat to score. It was just maybe that little bit of a, you know, slipped out of his hands and... 
I've been there. It's uh, it's heartbreaking, and I, I feel for him. But at the same time, uh, it's it's going to be a tough one for him to take. Yeah, well, look, I, I I just really like the ownership part of it. I just thought it was. Uh, it showed a very mature player. It showed a guy who's very confident in his own ability. And I actually agree with Tommy. I thought he was absolutely excellent. I thought his attacking ability, I mean, he's just, he's such a big man. He's got great movement. He's hard to take down. He was a handful all day. And what I really liked, and myself and Tommy were discussing this uh, ourselves just privately, um, like his ability in the air. Like, I haven't seen him be that aggressive in the air for Ireland. He needs to bring that in. What what do you, what did you make of that, Tommy? Because I thought he was a nuisance for Leinster all day in the air. Yeah, well, I think that was something that we that Ulster were targeting definitely. You know, they were trying to put the ball in terms of Adam Byrne and Jordan Larmer. I think with some of the box kicks, I thought John Cooney had a fantastic game, and I think mm. some of the box kicks that he put up were really inviting. And you know yourself as a winger, you want to be able to. You know, the, sometimes those kicks can be just a little bit too far, a little bit too short, but they were just bang on the money. It means mm. you can get right up, full elevation, right into the air. And I thought he really showed, yeah, that uh, that it's a real strength to his game, you know, in the air, one-on-one, and came away with so many of those balls. Um, and, and listen, I think for the, for the height of him, uh, you know, that's definitely an asset that with Ireland or with the box kicking Connor Murray, obviously Johnny Sexton, the kicker he is, um, you know, probably didn't go so well in the last couple of weeks, but that's something that we'll obviously, and Ireland will hope to utilise going forward. Uh, and just one last thing on the actual finish itself, you know, for, for you guys watching on, was it a case of just an unfortunate drop ball or have you noticed something in the way he does go over the try line that you maybe could see this was kind of an accident waiting to happen potentially? Are, are you referring to the Murray Kinsler? Uh, <laughs> kind of yeah. well, something like that or, or even the way he usually does try to put it down. He kind of goes with one hand a lot of times, which, but you know. you know what, Will? I, I mean, I hated to dive. I mean, if you looked at the majority of my tries, I put it down with one hand as well. Um, and there were times that it was fairly hairy. There were people kind of uh, very close to me and sliding in, sliding tackles. Um, I mean, I think that that's just, it's almost, it's a habit. It's something that maybe just comes naturally, that it's easier just to put the ball down in one hand. Uh, I mean, I don't think that having to dive, you have to, I mean, there was no real need for him to dive. He, he could have easily just stuck it down one hand and just slipped out of his hand. So I think the people who are criticising saying you have to dive, I mean, he was under no pressure. I mean, Dave Carney was coming in behind, but he was never going to stop it. It was just that little bit of lack of com- concentration. He was kind of, I suppose, you could see him smile and he was almost getting ready to, to give the big one to the, to the Ulster supporters. I d- yeah, it's interesting, Tommy, because I was actually the same when I started off. And I remember it was actually, uh, it, was, it was Gary Brown. I don't know if you remember Gary Brown, like a really, like a great finisher, like really quick guy, uh, great rugby player with Leinster. And he was a bit a few years old and he kind of took me under, my, my, uh, under his wing when I, when I got in there initially. And I remember him saying, you need to work, he was joking, but he's like, you need to work on your dive, man. Oh, seriously. <laughs> I was like, so I actually, and he was like, on a serious note though, you need to try, you need to work on that because it just gives you that bit of safety. And I suppose I compare it to maybe Keith Earls finish on the weekend. I think that's a that really good. two hands like right in yeah, yeah, but like if you look at Keith Earls, he knew, like I know his situation was different because he could really see the Edinburgh defenders as opposed to J- Jacob Stockdale where Dave Carney was kind of in his blind spot. But I just think, 
as much as I, I agree with Tommy that sometimes there's not a need, I, I actually would start doing it. I started doing it for a portion for the latter part of my career whenever I got over, which was all too rare tried, enough, yeah. rare <laughs> enough. But at the same time, it's important skill to have. So look, it's a great learning curve for a guy. Unfortunately, it's come at the expense of the team where you know it was a big turning point in the game. But you need these, you need those kind of lows in your career to kick on. So I, I actually think he has loads of positives to take from the game. That's obviously the big negative, but I think he'll kick on a huge amount uh, from this. But I, he needs to learn it. The, the, the diving thing, Tommy, is actually very important. If you look at all the great finishers, yeah, I mean, he's well able to dive. He's well able to dive. But I think the easiest thing, the natural thing for him to do, is to stick it down with one hand and celebrate. And I've seen him do that on many occasions. But yes, of course. Maybe and big games like that sometimes to have that in your locker to just just go down, just go down, get the ball on the ground securely, and that's something that he will it will definitely be in the back of his mind going forward. You know yourself yeah. when confidence is high, things are going great. I mean, he hasn't had many setbacks to be fair over the last two years. Um, this is the first one that's come along. It will have hit him hard. I'd say it'll hit his confidence, but I think you you know what the one thing that really I thought was incredible, Luke was that when he made that mistake, a lot of players could go into their shell and a lot of players could maybe be thinking about it and questioning themselves. He got straight back into the game, caught a high ball straight away off it, and it didn't really didn't you know impact his game at all. And it's very like the All Blacks when he tried that chip. Kieran Reid you know, could have scored <laughs> under the posts. Uh, Thankfully, dropped it, but it didn't. You know, he didn't get daunted. He didn't get set back, and that he still hmm. had the confidence to go and try it again. So that's the sort of confidence that you know, players and wingers need. And I think that that's what he showed. So for a young guy, he's only 22. It will definitely be in the back of his mind for a long time, but hopefully it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't dent the confidence and hopefully it's something that he learned from. Uh, yeah, just so, uh, on him, because I, I know I, I'm aware we don't want to just focus on one thing, because it is, I really agree with Dan McFarland on his point that, look, the team, the team lost the game. Like, it's not like, yes, there was an error from an individual that stood out. And, and, I, and I agree with, like, I agree with him in principle, right? But just in terms of him as a player, because I've got a lot of criticism because I feel like he has the potential to be one of the all-time greats for Ireland. But I've been kind of critical, particularly on the defensive side. And I actually see lots of parallels in terms of how he defends, how, say, Shane Horgan defends, how you defended big guys who kind of are, you know, who want to be abrasive, want to get up in your face, want to be, you know, and especially in the defensive system that Ireland use and that Ulster use on the weekend where you're up and you're kind of in people's faces. There was one thing I noticed as well in, in for Ross Burns' try that I just want to get your opinion on because I always felt that you were really, really great at this. I'd never told you now when I was playing against you, but just now we're, <laughs> now we're all finished up. That little bit about when you're under pressure, say, close to your line, and yeah, you want to get off the line and you have to block off passing channels because Leinster had two guys outside. It was a two-on-one with Jacob Stockdale, but it was Balakoon yeah. versus Ross Byrne. And if you look at where Jacob Stockdale ended up, right? So he ended up behind the ball. So on, like, on Leinster's side of the ball versus... Where you were really good at, I thought, was you ended up, so you, you cut off all the passing channels. So you cut off the ball, the pass from Ross Byrne to the two outside guys. But you were still able to get back inside. You weren't, you never got too far ahead of the ball where you could help Robert, ba or Balakoon, sorry, excuse me, uh, to make the assist tackle. Uh, is that a part, I, I always find he ends up in situations where I'm thinking, he needs, some, he needs to talk yeah. to someone about that. What, what do you think he about that part of his game? I mean, he's a big guy, so he tries to get into the pass and channel so that Ross Byrne can't zip that pass to the guy standing on the touchline where he probably would not be able to stop him. So he, he did well in terms of he got into that pass and channel. Ross Byrne decided to show and go himself. 
he, I mean, I think, you know, whenever it's kind of a one-on-one for Balakoon then to try and make that tackle on Ross Byrne, he needs to maybe get more of a hit on him mm. that buys Jacob that split second to try and get in on that arm. But unfortunately, you know, Ross Byrne was low. He was driving forward mm. and Jacob didn't get back and to try. I mean, you could probably say that he gets into that passing channel once he sees that he's showing and going, he can try and assist Robert Balakoon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something that maybe I'm sure uh, Jared Payne might look at. That you've yeah. done your job very well there. You've cut off that pass, but you got to help the man inside. And and particularly for Robert Balakoon, he's a young guy. Uh, it's a massive stage for him. And I thought he did very well at the big stage for a 20 year old. Mm. But you got to help. You, you know those young guys. They need as much help as they can. And for somebody with the experience of Jacob, that's something that he should be able to do naturally enough. So yes, I, I agree. He. Uh, it, when, when he's got that aerial ability, when he's got the attacking ability that he has, there are question marks, of course, over his de- defence because everybody sees him as this world-class uh, Oh, the potential is there. The potential you know, is so big, Tommy, isn't it? Where is the weakness? Where is the weakness? And, yeah. he, you know, there are going to be small weaknesses, of course, but mm. that's stuff that, you know, when you have the likes of Jared Payne there, you have Andy Farrell in mm. Ireland. They're the sort, I mean, they're p- perfect people to try and learn off. Mm. So, as you say, listen, the sky's the limit for him. Um, and you know it's it's only he's got a huge opportunity going forward. Obviously, Ulster have uh, you know a big run in now in the Pro 14, and then of course the World Cup coming up too. So, you know what an opportunity for him to try and put his hand up on the on the world stage. Ah, listen, I think he's going to bounce back. As much as I feel like people think I'm being very critical of him, I I really do. I think he's got so much potential. I love the lateral movement. I love the pace. I just think he's got good skills as well. I'm I'm excited to see where he goes. I suppose I just feel like everyone's been on the, everyone's been pushing him, and I feel like no one said the things that I think he really needs to improve to be fully like a world-class player so that's maybe why I just want to clarify that just uh, in terms he, of listen he's very grounded he knows himself like he is yeah. he's actually a real sound grounded fella um, and, and I think that his response to it shows actually you know he grew up in Ulster it's his dream to get to these sort of stages mm. and to make a mistake like that will has really hurt him you know his family his friends it's not like he's somebody who's just come in from New Zealand or South Africa that are, are just playing for Ulster. That, you know, he's a homegrown guy in such a big stage like that. It'll hurt him, but it, it, it'll help him, you know, going forward. He's a long way to go still in his career. And you know what? I think for Ulster, as much as the supporters and everybody wanted to win that match and how big it would have been, I think going forward for Ulster to get to the European semi-finals would have been huge. But in terms of how close the Pro 14 is at the minute and with the three games that they've still got to go, you know, they really need to get one or two wins in the next couple of weeks to make sure that they're in Europe next year. So um, so it's it's interesting. I'd be, I'd be interested to hear what the coaches, their preference would have been in terms of results from that game. And yeah, Luke, just from a Leinster perspective then, you know, it, it was a real test of their strength and depth. You know, They came into the game with a lot of injuries. Mm. Sexton ruled out, Henshaw ruled out, Dev Toner ruled out. And then during the match itself, obviously a tragic injury to Dan Levy, but then there was you know other people who had to go off as well, you know, in the back line all really ended up playing at 10. So it really stressed, put stress on their strength and depth. And it was Neil Francis writing the following day, said that he thinks going into a semi-final that some of the players that were exposed aren't semi-final calibre players. Yeah, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. I thought there was maybe a few uncharacteristic performances. I thought Gary Ringrose is a guy who 
is has been so reliable. I thought he had a bit of an off day. Obviously, the you know look not to highlight an error, but that was a similar error to kind of Stockdale's where he got blocked down. He got blocked down again, almost twice. cost. Yeah, yeah I mean, so that could have cost two tries, and yeah. no one's really mentioned that. Yeah, so like I mean, look, there was a few performances on both sides that were a bit uncharacteristic, and I thought Leo Cullen actually, and it'd be interesting to get Tommy's opinion on this one. I thought he made a good point that like Ulster played really, really well as well, but Leinster at the same time did look a little bit off color, and it's amazing when you have a few guys that are out. Like Robbie Henshaw makes a big difference. I thought. Stuart McCluskey and Darren Cave were outstanding on the day. And I thought that Leinster looked like they really missed Robbie Henshaw to mix it up with Stuart McCluskey because they didn't look like they had an answer for him all day. Um, no. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Did you think that as well, Tom? I thought those guys really dominated in the midfield well, on the day. What I thought was, you know, when you looked at the defence, it looked very much like Ulster had gone out there with the same idea of Wales and England in the Six Nations mm. that they just went hell for leather like Darren Cave obviously didn't want to give Gary Ringrose an inch and he I've never seen him get off the line as quick as he did himself and Stuart really pressured Ross Byrne and and you know that meant Leinster tried to pass their way out of trouble and you know it only took till the very end of the game when they started to go to their driving mall mm. and started to go through phases and, and actually wore that defence down but uh, I thought that was maybe a little bit of a worry that that sort of the defence that that really uh, Ireland found difficult in the Six Nations what Ulster tried to do that again to Leinster and I would imagine going forward that's what you're going to see a lot of the other teams trying as well I think though in terms of the Leinster side as well that's a good point it's a really good point Tommy makes that like it is it, they have to figure out a way around this you know like I think you can't like I think there's I thought I listened to Brian O'Driscoll talking about it as well he was saying sometimes you just have to take an early phase try and get momentum so like maybe you, you attack a Billy Burns for a few phases try and get hit try and find somewhere where you say because they're coming up so hard on the outside, like they have to backtrack fairly hard if you get a bit of a gain line and a quick rook ball in that situation. Maybe you start thinking... Jack Cohen exploited that for the second try you know, after they got a bit yeah, of momentum into the middle. But I, you've heard me say this a lot, mm. Will. Like, I think the biggest strength of this Leinster team is the pack. I, I, I think they've got pretty much two four packs of internationals. Like That's the strength of the team for me. As much as we talk about the back line being great and they missed a few guys, and they did. They missed. It. I thought Robbie Henshaw would have mixed it up very well with Stuart McCluskey. I think and Conor O'Brien as well. Is oh, yeah. We've seen Luke in the, six, in the Pro 14 this year. Who, If you want to talk about getting the game line, and he's a young guy, but wow, he's been incredible this year. And he would have been somebody who could potentially have got up to Stuart McCluskey, got over that game line. And then, of course, then Leinster are on the front foot. James Lowe as well. Was James Lowe was a, a big no loss as well. Really. Yeah, no, no, big yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 the only thing is, though, like, you're talking about Scott Fardy. Like, he was Gibson brilliant Park. on the day. Yeah, Gibson Park came on, but he was... It was, like, it was disappointing Gibson Park only really got the six... You know, he came on, I think, around 65 mm. minutes. And I think when you're leaving somebody like James Lowe not involved in such a big game you know that's something that I was surprised to see Gibson Park not get longer that's a very good point you're talking about 15 minutes for Gibson Park versus possibly 80 for James Lowe like what, what's more valuable to you there like can you, can you not trust Nick McCarthy for 15 minutes I, but I think you're probably making a call on based on the, the importance you place on the different positions so like as we know Tommy like your scrum half is probably getting you know maybe uh, call it 100 touches a game maybe uh, between, yes, between 80 or 100 James Lowe James Lowe the impact I mean yeah. that guy whenever he comes on I mean you saw it when he played Munster, obviously not the one where he got the red card, but before <laughs> in the Aviva Stadium. I mean, he's sensational. Mm. And if you want to get somebody who's going to get you over the game line or to be able to score a try in the corner, you know, I mean, I think in those big games, that's where he really stands up. And, and that's a, that was one guy I was really surprised not to see in the team sheet. And I think Ulster, as much as they talked about Johnny Sexton not playing, I think seeing J James Lowe not in the team 
was another huge boost for them. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, look, I, I completely get that. I presume that, like, my only presumption is that, I think, or assumption I even, is that, you know, Leinster made a decision based thinking that, well, we, we, we need to have someone that's played in big games for us at nine rather than Nick McCarthy, who possibly is going, you know, going obviously down to Munster as well. So, I mean, that's an interesting one. And it probably brings us naturally on to some, some great news, I think, for Ulster today. Uh, in terms of maybe guys, you know, head, heading up. Like, Jack, that Jack McGrath news is, like, it was kind of astounding to me. I actually sent him a, a congratulations text today. Just say, listen, you know, uh, it's great. Oh, well, I just think it's a great, It's a, look, it's a brave move to make. Uh, as much as I, you know, I'm a Leinster supporter and I'm thinking, you know, but Jack's a friend first and foremost, leaving all that aside. So I said, look, I, I, I understand where you're, where you're coming from. I, you know, I think it's a great move for Ulster business-wise. And I think it's a good move for him because it looks like he's probably in the pecking order behind Keane Healy now. What did you make of that move, Tommy? Like that must be a huge lift for for everyone in Ulster. Uh, incredible, incredible. Whatever about as a player, I mean, you know, Jack McGrath as a leader, as a guy around the squad. You know, he is a real top top person. So for him to be brought into Ulster, a young squad will hopefully have the same impact the likes of someone like Jordy Murphy has had. I mean. Jordy, I thought, was sensational at the mm. weekend, and it almost showed, you know, that he was trying to get one up over Leinster, having, you know, not not been involved, and how much it, uh, it meant to him. I mean, it's obviously another Leinster name on the team sheet, or going to be on the team sheet next year. Um, but I think, in terms of what it what it does for the young guys, the sort of leadership, the sort of winning, you know, Jack McGrath comes with a, a, I suppose, a mindset of winning, and those are, I mean, those are what the that's one probably one of the biggest areas that we lost at the weekend is because Leinster showed when the going gets tough they knew how to win it I mean they went through 41 phases to get that penalty at the end and that's something that Ulster with the young squad that they have probably wouldn't have the experience to do but with somebody like Jordy Murphy um, and Jack McGrath there you know that's a sort of that's hopefully what they'll add to that team and can I ask you as well because I, I look at it and I know I, I, I know from talking to uh, just some of the Ulster contingent um, there's obviously a bit of a worry about you know obviously you want some Ulster guys there you want to have buy-in locally because people are saying that's a local lad like a Jacob Stockdale coming through um, you know the setup you know and, and I know there's a bit of a worry but like surely you'd rather have like kind of Irish guys in the mix there as opposed to say like a New Zealander or an Australian well, international what, what are your, what's your view on that one Tommy? Well, I mean, Eric O'Sullivan is the guy who's been who's kind of come in this year. Now he is from the Leinster Academy as well, but Ulster, he's been with Ulster for the last couple of years, and he's really been given an opportunity ahead of the likes of Andy Warwick, Kyle McCall, guys from Ulster. And boy, has he taken it! I mean, he's won. He's probably had as many man of the matches this year as John Cooney. He's been sensational. So he's one guy I kind of feel sorry for with Jack McGrath coming up. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's. You know, to again for someone to learn off, uh, you know, a British and Irish line like Jack to come up and try and to breathe through and help these young guys coming through um, is fantastic. And the fact that they're Leinster is no big deal. You know, it's only it's two hours down the road. Um, so I think there's a huge amount of positives in it. And, and in terms of business for Ulster, I think it's you know I was really surprised when I heard it announced a few weeks ago that he might be coming. Um, but I was delighted, and I actually texted him today today as well to congratulate <laughs> him. And, and so great to have him up. 
Yeah, it's interesting Luke because I, I you, like I don't know if he would have been in the squad. He maybe he would have had he this move not been announced. But it does seem that like Leinster in particular aren't happy with the turn of events. A hundred percent. He's a British Norse. Tommy's after a British Norse lion. Like he's in your squad, no doubt about it. Like, um, you know, regardless. Hasn't been getting a look Ed Byrne. Ed, Ed, Ed Byrne has been picked ahead of him in the last game. But Tommy, and he's Ed been Byrne. injured though. He's been injured. He's that that hip injury. Like he he is. You know you know the kind of guy Jack is. He suffered on with that hip injury for quite a while without saying anything to. You know I'm sure he was getting it managed behind the scenes. But to to you know to the naked eye of the viewer, you know everyone saying, oh you know Jack McGrath looks a little off. That was why he he was carrying a really bad injury for a while. That guy is a class operator. He's not going to be a Keen Healy where he's going to make. You know he could run over two guys or whatever it may be. He's not that kind of player. He's the guy you can rely on. He is a brilliant. You know, obviously, I'm not sure about the scrummaging part. I feel like I'm venturing into dangerous territory, but I'm going to go there. <laughs> he's renowned, I think, as, an, as a top quality operator in the scrum. He's a British and Irish line. He's got great experience. He's won loads of things. That that piece of business, like Leinster, would be gutted to lose him. But there's definitely they have to say at some point. Well, if Jack McGrath's going, and I'm pretty sure they obviously knew he was going, they must have known that. They're going to say, well, we can't play him. We need to start playing the rest. Of the, like, what about next season? You have to do that now, mm. regardless of the service and all that he's that he's given to the jersey. You have to start saying, "Well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, this is always terrible now, but is it Ed Burns is the is the loose head or yeah. a bright head? I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Ed. Yeah, and Dooley, I mean, Dooley, Dooley <laughs> Dooley's well. a great he's player. A lot of game time, and then to be fair, I mean, credit to Leo Cullen and John Fogarty, you know, for bringing through these young guys because. Mm. You know, when you have someone of the talent to Keen Healy, I mean, we all know Keen Healy when he's on, uh, when he's injury freak. free and feeling he is a freak. You know, he was probably one of the few standout players in the Six Nations for Ireland. Um, so for Jack McGrath to be competing with him, you know, maybe you might be surprised that he wouldn't try and compete for that number one spot. But I think when the likes of, you know, Ed Byrne, Dooley coming through, you know, what an opportunity for them to fight amongst the three of them and give Jack that opportunity of playing week in, week out. And, and that's the one thing I think the players want. They want to be able to play more consistently. And with the, the strength and depth that Leinster have, it is incredible and it's brilliant to see so many young guys coming through. But I know when I was a player, I wanted to play week on week. I wanted to play in those big games. For the likes of James Lowe, to miss out on a game like that would kill me. So um, credit to Leo Cullen, how he keeps those players motivated and keeps them happy every week but sometimes when you have the likes of Jack McGrath or Jordy Murphy you know they, they want more than just playing once every three weeks and one Sarah note from the weekend Luke you know what a great weekend it was rugby was that injury to Dan Levy that I touched oh, on earlier you know gem. out of the World Cup out of the rest of the season obviously you know for people who did see the video it, it does look very bad um, it's just it's such a blow for Leinster in Ireland and for him Oh, I'm absolutely good for him. I, I met him. I actually met him very randomly in the driving range there about two or three weeks ago, and he was. <laughs> Tommy, it was at nine o'clock. Would you get you off my back? <laughs> I try at least. Listen, anyway. So um, I met him there, and he was saying, "Look, I've had, you know, just had a bad run of injuries. I think he was. It was the week, the last week before the Welsh game, and he was just going into camp, and he was obviously very hopeful of selection. I think he was. It was maybe the Friday night before he was heading into camp on the Sunday or whatever it was, and he was saying, "Yeah, because I, I, I hadn't really realised he'd had a few calf injuries in a row. I didn't really realise what it was. I was saying, yeah. what's going on? So he was saying, look, hopefully now feeling really great. You know, back to myself. I came back a little bit too early in the initial one, but now I'm, I'm set to go. So." God, I'm just absolutely gutter for him because I said to him when I heard it was an ACL quite soon after the match, I just sent him a text saying, listen, it's not all over here. 
Uh, you know, myself, I got back in about five months from it. Uh, Fergus McFadden, I think, might have done it in four and a half months. Um, you can do it. You can get back in and you've got a body of work. My exact text was this. I was like, you're, you've got a body of work there that if you're fit, no one else would have played. Like the max anyone would have played was maybe two rugby matches. I said, if you're fit and you're ready for content, he said, I, I said, there's a really good chance he'll bring you. So keep the chin up. And then obviously you hear the news that it's a bit more, you know, whatever, complex. So look, we're just, I'm absolutely good for him. Tommy will know as well. Uh, just a, it's an absolute heartbreaker, you know. Um, I'm, I'm good for him, but look, he just needs to get the head down now. You take a week or two off, you know, get the surgery, make sure the initial part of the injury that you let it heal properly. That's the key part. And then, if you're trying to get time back on it, or trying to reduce the time, it's actually in the latter part of the injury, the middle and the latter part that you try and get a bit, you know, a bit back. You're just, you know, pure perseverance and discipline in terms of the injury. So, we wish him the best of luck. Uh, I'm sure Tommy feels the same way. Uh, just, well, just he, gutted for he him. He was very candid in in the post he put up on Instagram. Tommy saying that. It, you know, he was devastated. You know, I think he said he was haunting his thoughts. Uh, you know, what, what's happened to him? Yeah, of course. I mean, I've had some pretty tough knee injuries. Luke, I know, has some, had some pretty tough knee injuries. And we've missed big matches and missed Six Nations. But missing a World Cup is different because, you know, with the Six Nations that Dan had last year, with the upsets through injury this year, he's had, you know, the World Cup obviously only comes around once in every four years. Ireland have such an opportunity in this World Cup. And he, if he's on form and if he's fit, would be, you know, an absolute starter in that team. So it will be so difficult for him to take. Um, yeah, I'm gutted for him. I really am gutted for him. It's such a, a heartbreaker, and you can see how much it was really uh, killing him, even to write that message. But he has to just focus on right getting himself back fit, getting himself back playing, however long it's going to take. Um, and, you know, really, for me, I'd say Joe Schmidt is more devastated than anyone mm, because, definitely. Uh, you know, he he was somebody that it looked like in the breakdown that Ireland was missing in that Six Nations to slow down ball and out and out seven. Um, you know, I, I think having him in your squad to be able to pick him between Josh van der Fleer, Sean O'Brien, to be able to pick from one of those three, you know, is an incredible opportunity, you know, incredible thing tool that Joe Schmidt has to now have him out is, is really disappointing. So for Ireland and for Leinster and for Dan, it's a, a triple whammy. It's interesting, Luke, that Tommy brings up Dan's ability at the breakdown because it, it kind of ties into a conversation we had a few weeks ago about a potential rule change that we're rugby want to bring in about the contest mm. at the breakdown, you know, the, you know, outlawing the jacket or the poach or whatever you want to call it because Dan's injury came from a similar situation. He's over the ball, a player falls on the ground, lands on his leg and he gets a bad injury like that's the exact kind of injury that I guess they're trying to mitigate against as best they can I don't like I look I'm worried about that rule change because I think it takes out like the like like how much do we love a Richie McCaw or a David Pocock and look I know they've had their not so not so much McCaw but definitely Pocock has had lots of those kind of injuries but Hooper is a guy who's like that as well um I'm not sure that I'd be trying to necessarily take that out. I think what you need to manage is maybe the entries of people coming in, uh, people coming off their feet. I think there's still lacks on that from the from the defending side because I still think there's a few bits. There's on one on the on that side. I think they're still not great at the at the releasing of the tackle. You need to be really good at that. Um, uh, you know, and then getting in on the ball. There has to be clear space there, and they haven't been unbelievably good at that. And I think off the back of that, as an attacking player, as an attacking rooker, you got to get in there early, and it's really hard to get in that position without going off your feet and I think the refs haven't been good at that I'd be more trying to manage that I think that's a great part of the game because with defences being so tight and with them completely ignoring as far as I'm concerned the most important part which is actually your touch judges 
like refereeing the, the defending line being offside I think they're, that's the worst part of the game for me and that's where you get the most offensive hits and the most I think that's causing the biggest disruption to the game to me but if you're looking at that I think you need to you need to be the managing that part of the game. The referee needs to manage that part of the rook far better. I think they're not doing a good enough job of that. And I think that's what causes a lot of those injuries is people going off their feet too early at the breakdown from the attacking side. But it's because they're not managing the other part. When they're when the jackal's in there, they're releasing the tackle because you're trying to get quick ball. We all want to see attacking rugby. I, I, do you have a view on that, Tommy? I, I feel like I'm banging a drum on my own on that one. I think the, def- the defensive line is actually the key part. They need to... The rules that they have in place currently for the, for the rook... They need to manage that better, not necessarily change away from the jackal because it's the best part time to attack well, is from listen, the turnover. Jackal, but our injuries like that is a huge part of the game. Um, I mean, personally, I hated people like a Sam Warburton or or uh, Pocock, you know, going in over the ball. I just felt that they were there to slow down the ball. It just disrupts the game a little bit. But it is an incredible skill, and the the, the balls that those people have to go in there and put their body in that position. I do think what you're saying, Luke, is that actually the the contact and the way that people are going to clean them out, I think sometimes it becomes incredibly reckless. I mean, you mm. know that you are doing anything to try and get them with their ha- to get their hands off the ball, and people are coming with a five and ten meter run up and just you know smashing into it completely off their feet um, and getting away with it. So I think that actually protecting those guys might be something that's needed to be done. Um, you know, it is it is a real difficult one. I mean, that's why I was never really in the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Tommy. I tried to avoid them myself, but like it is, an, it's a it's a part of the game that I think, you know, it's very interesting because it's actually one of the best times to attack is when you get one. If you're Pocock, if you're Sean O'Brien, if you're Jordy Murphy, go goes in, gets a turnover, you're Pete O'Mahony, and all of a sudden the defense is all you know unorganized. You get a kick over the top. It's a you know it's it's a really exciting part of the game if you get a big turnover over plus the bravery that it takes to go in there I, I just love that people I, like it but that doesn't mean that it's the best way forward for a game if you want to you know, well, reduce the amount of injuries rugby league well. that's what I think I think we're playing rugby league otherwise if, we're, if we don't have a rook like what are we doing are we playing yeah. like, I, I, like that's, what, that's what I think what do you think yeah, Tommy it Any? is difficult I mean you, like you have, to, you have to have a contest there has to be a contest there I think that sometimes you know, there's a lot of players, there's a huge amount, as you said, the referees. The referees are letting certain people get away with it and then other people not. So I think there's a huge amount of discrepancy there. And people are going in and not supporting their body weight. People are going in and they're pretty much an inch off the ground. Their elbows on the ground. And week in, week out, we're watching it and you're kind of going, that should be a penalty. That should be a penalty. And people are getting away with it. And, you know, I think that if there's just... It, there needs to be a little bit more clarity there. And I think with that clarity, we'll clear a lot of that sort of stuff up. But in terms of the game of rugby union, you know, you have to have that contest. Uh, how you mitigate that, if you can give them a second where they have to release it before they go on the ball, whether players are allowed to come in with their just with no arm tackles to try and clear them out, um, I don't know. I mean, I hate to see people going in there and actually not take the ball. They just put their hands in and pretend to be stuck in there. I love to see the likes of Ty Byrne. Ty Byrne is, for a second row, a big guy. He goes in over the ball, 
pilfers more ball than I know anybody does, but he always comes comes out with it. And I think if a seven goes in and, and wants the ball, if he can take it, then take it. If you can't take it, well, then get your hands off. Well, because I think it, there's, it's a, they're making a big error in what they're focusing on, Will. I think if, if, if you, for me, it's a clear issue in that I think you need to have your referee completely focused on the rook. Completely. The where he needs support. Our game is very technical. I think you need to have. Le- they've they've said this before. There's been all these kind of edicts come down from on high about the touch judges being involved, being this you know second and third referee in the game. They need to manage the offside line. The referee for me, complete focus on the rook. They're making a big error on that part. That's then, a- I mean, if you have the referee more focused on the rock, it'll mean he'll blow it up more often and that'll slow down the game. I mean, really, you don't want him because if somebody's going to be constant, there are so many illegal things that go on in the rock <laughs> that if a referee was to concentrate on it, you'd never get any rugby. I mean, th- I think they just need clarity. And I mean, I'm just retired of the game six or seven months and I still don't know what the rock, rock laws were at the end of last season because it changed year on year. I mean, every time he went into November camp with Joe Schmidt, he was talking about a new rule and what they're doing next. And I mean, these constant rule changes to try and improve the game sometimes I think just confuse everybody. And some referees try to you know rule the game one way. The players are playing a different way. And I think it just causes indecision. I know from our point of view on the television, we're trying now to try and explain to people and we don't even know what we're talking about. So it <laughs> Speak is for yourself, job. Tommy. Speak mm-hmm. for yourself. <laughs> well, we could tackle breakdown laws all night, but just to, to finish up on the rugby again, Munster also got a really impressive mm-hmm. win. You know, Just about held on in Edinburgh. You know, absorbed so much pressure from the home team. Eventually came out on the right side. You know, were you impressed with, with the resilience they showed? I was really impressed uh, and I'm interested to get Tommy's opinion because we watched the Leinster-Edinburgh game together and um, I just thought at the time, I was thinking, that's going to be a really difficult game. Um, like they have, I remember John Barkley after the match was talking about them having whatever, 40,000, 50,000. Not sure they got that, but they got a, they got a great number in. They've that bat- I know Hamish Watson went off and that was probably a big loss to them, but they were, they're just a yeah. difficult team to play against. Their pack, like Munster based so much of their rugby around their pack being dominant, you know, you know, getting on top of other teams, the rook being really aggressive in defensive line. It's just been a nuisance to play against. But Edinburgh are the kind of team, I think, and Cock was done an unbelievable job as far as I'm concerned. They always, they never were that focused on their pack. They used to try and disrupt it. They used to few a few great guys who could you know disrupt your ball, slow up your ball, get turnovers. I think he's focused on that part. He said, we're going to try and dominate yeah. teams in here. And they have some good backs. They're a real handful. They hang on to the ball well, for long periods. Like, what do you think? I remember, we, we said that, Tommy, after the Leinster game, thinking, that's actually a really tricky fixture over Murrayfield. Oh, listen, absolutely. I mean, I think the Richard Cockrell effect definitely is all about set piece and the breakdown. I mean, their pack are just animals. I mean, they are really, really difficult. And I think that that is where, I mean, they, they had so much possession. I'm not sure what the stats were, but the the amount of possession that they had, but they couldn't get the scores. I just thought Munster's defence was incredible. Mm. Um, but I mean, when Edinburgh, you know, for Munster to go over there in such a big game, I mean, Edinburgh have only wa- lost once there in 12 games. And you can see why. I mean, they're a difficult team to play against. And when you have the likes of Vandermeer on the wing, you know, who can score tries from anywhere as well, I, I thought... I mean, Munster just did so well to shut them down. And I think Keith Earls, you know, to come up with those two wow, tries, class. particularly that first one. 
I mean, how quick thinking was that? You know, he caught everybody unaware. I mean, the referee was looking at, I think, the the, the knock-on and Keith Earls was over the line. It, I thought it helped him, that Connor, Connor Murray. It helped that Connor Murray clear the path by body slamming. Suplex. Yeah, like German <laughs> suplexing, I believe it was called back in the day. <laughs> he looked like Chris Jericho or something. <laughs> I know. I mean, and to be fair, you kind of have to, you have to wonder, you know, did the referee not want to take a better look at that. I mean, that's definitely was something that... Uh... <laughs> Tommy, man, you're, you're too political now. Honestly, you're, you can tell Tommy's just out of the game. I'm obviously miserable. I'm two or three years out. <laughs> Tommy's still positive. He sees, he sees everything in positive light. That was a stinker by the ref. But look, it was a great bit of well, play by okay, Keith Earls. Well, tell me this then. Well, what about uh, Ty Byrne? <laughs> oh, that was my next question. question. I was going to ask you this, Tommy. <laughs> I mean, should Ty Byrne... I mean, you know, David Flatman's getting an awful hammering about it on Twitter at the minute. Um, and to be fair, you don't want. Craig Byrne did a did a fantastic job. He got the penalty reversed, um, but I would imagine that uh, the Edinburgh guys could be pretty sickened with that. So Tommy's phone cut out just at the perfect time. There, I, I'm asking the questions here. I am asking the questions. No, but it was uh, look. I, I look. I do think it was a bit. It, it was a dive. It, it was a, it was in poor taste. Yeah, uh, it's not in the spirit of the game, definitely. But uh, what I would say is, uh, it was still a stupid body check. I think it was um, a penalty and a dive. I think it's a penalty, yeah. No, yeah. I do think it's a penalty. So, like, look, at the same time, he's accentuating a situation where he's saying, that's definitely a penalty. Look like um, he stood in a landmine. He, you know, he, like, <laughs> look, should there have been a penalty reversed, reversed? Well, I don't, like, I don't know if you, can you, it is fairly definitive. Can you reverse, you reverse, reverse? Can you reverse, reverse? <laughs> <laughs> it, that does sound like a wrestling move. No, but I, honestly, I, I, I was, it's, it's disappointing. You don't want to see in the game, but at the same time, it was really stupid by, by Schumann. And actually, what I would say is people get away with that kind of crap all the time. Like if, if Edinburgh had made a break on the inside shoulder of the Munster defenders because Tyburn couldn't go and link up on the inside shoulder, I guarantee you there would have been uproar on the other side. So look, he's made it. He's made it. He's essential. And I mean, but early in the season, Ross Mari- Moriarty was playing for the Dragons and he got body checked really badly, really obviously, but because he didn't go to ground, the referee played on and I think it was Cardiff Blues nearly scored off it. So he's kind of going to the referee or a member in that game saying, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to jump on the ground so that I can get the penalty? And the referee's kind of saying, no, no, stay on your feet, stay on your feet. <laughs> it, it is, a, it is yeah. a difficult one for players, but I think that the, the staying down and have to get the medics, I mean, I think he would have. But then, <laughs> so what are you saying, time, Tommy? What are you saying well, to if us? You did, if you didn't get the medics, they wouldn't have got the penalty. So, I mean, in terms of winning rugby, is that what you do? Personally, I mean, I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, I still remember Ulster played against Glasgow, I think about three or four years ago in the semi-final of the Pro 12 at the time. And Nico Matawalu got body checked and made a meal of it. And we ended up getting penalised, lost the game. And I still remember that uh, and still really frustrated and disappointed in that. So I think if you're an Edinburgh player, you'd definitely be disappointed and annoyed. Yeah, I completely understand. And I, I, look, I, I'm, I'm fairly definitive on it. I think it's, you know, you shouldn't be making a meal of those things. Uh, I think, you know, he'd be disappointed in himself, but at the same time, they won the game. I think what I would say on the other side is, you know, and I feel like I criticise referees a lot, but I feel like lots of those instances, and you mentioned the, the Moriarty one, I'm sure there's lots of other ones 
you need to take into account the effect that a small impact in one part of the game can have on other parts and you just need to stamp it all out. That's the way you need to act on it because otherwise we end up in a situation where people say, well, Munster won the game and he did yeah. body check him. So what, what do you expect him to do? Otherwise, he's not going to see it and he's not going to penalise it. But I, I still think it's not in the, in the spirit of the game. I agree with Tommy on that one. And... Um, yeah, you, you don't like to see that. And just yeah. to wrap, wrap up, Tommy, I guess now we have two mouth-watering semi-finals. I'm sure you'd prefer Ulster to be there, but we, we, we have Leinster to lose now and Saracens Munster. You know, it, it's very hard to call who, who we might see in the final. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I think Saracens, boy, they looked good because uh, yeah. Glasgow are a team I've fancied. I think in the Pro 14, they're playing great rugby with Dave Rennie there. A good opportunity for them at the weekend. I mean, they played really well against Saracens earlier on in the pools, but even without Owen Farrell, I thought Saracens just looked a class apart. Mm. So I think that Munster are really going to have their work cut out in that one. The fact that it's in the Rico Arena, though, I think you know it's two hours away from London, so it's not exactly a home match for them. Uh, I would imagine knowing Munster's support over the years, they'll have more tickets than anyone else for that one. So it could be like a home game for them, but it's going to be difficult, I think. Um, you know, I think Saracens are going to be a tough team to beat this year. Uh, in terms of for Leinster, you know, Leo Cohen said after the game, you know, they looked like they hadn't played together in a long time. Uh, they're obviously a lot of their guys are going off on holidays and getting a bit of a break this week. So, uh, you know, I, I I wonder with Leinster, do they do they need a few games together to really try and gel and and get themselves to the level that they need to be to to really go and win the win the double again this year. Um, I mean, I would imagine it's going to be a Leinster Saracens final, and you know, it's going to be a tough one to call. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Sorry, Will's looking at me here for, for answers. I'm not <laughs> sure I have them. Um, I, I agree. I think Saracens look really, really difficult to beat. I think that'll be a massive task for this Munster team. But I think they're playing good rugby. I think they'll put up a good fight. But I just think Saracens look really difficult to beat. And with Owen Farrell back at the helm and good at fullback. You know, they're a real handful. Uh, so much strength in the pack as well. So that's a really difficult ask. Um, I think, um, and I'm sorry, I would agree on the last point on that. Coventry is a bit of a, it's a bit of a leveller uh, for them. I think they're I really... They dump. But yeah, but they're, but they're difficult to, it's a, it's a heavy pitch. I've played in a few times, a bit on the uh, at the end of a hammering on that pitch against Wasps. Your last but, time uh, in Cup yeah, game ever. It was, correct. <laughs> uh, good memories. Thanks, Will, for bringing that up. <laughs> but um, that's a, that is a bit of a leveller because I think that, that 3G or 4G pitch, whatever they have in Watford is... Uh, it does give them an advantage of so much pace and that anyway and, and they're a very mobile team in terms of the Leinster Toulouse Tommy I don't know if I, I feel like that was the best result of the weekend for Leinster was that the Toulouse yeah. went and won that one and they have them at home I think I Leinster agree. will get better I see a Saracens Leinster final um, and I still think that Leinster will I, I think Leinster are the best position team to challenge Saracens and I feel like they may if they have the, all the bodies back, I think Leinster. I, I'm still tipping. My tips at the start of the season were for Leinster in the in the Heineken Cup, and Munster for the for the league. I don't know. But what's Do your you view? Still think Munster could win it. I mean, they've got Cardiff this weekend as well, which is going to be for them. They really need to finish top of the Pro 14 too. So they they need to win the next couple of games. Yeah, I, I just feel like Munster are in a very good position. I feel like if they can keep their guys fit, that they'll be really tricky to beat. I think Leinster will still be fighting on both fronts. And I think that'll be a disadvantage for them in the league campaign, whereas I think Munster will probably have a few weeks to prep for it. And I think they'll have good memories against Leinster this year because Leinster brought down a fairly full team down to uh, yeah. down to, to Thoman Park. Thoman, now, yeah. they were out of character with the discipline, but 
I still feel like they're monsters just for me. I, f- I just have a feeling about the league for them, and they need to win something. They've been there thereabouts for three or four years now. This could be their year there. Uh, any do you, any of that kind of resonating well, with you? Won, I mean, they haven't won a trophy. It's 2011, I think it is. They've been something like eight semi-finals. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that it could end up being a monster Leinster final in the Pro 14, which would be unbelievable. Um, in Celtic Park. Mm. In Celtic Park, yeah. Mm. Can you imagine the amount of Irish travelling over <laughs> that one? Um, and, and I think, I agree, Leinster beat, obviously, Leinster in Tolman Park this year. I think in the Aviva, they had so many chances, but just couldn't finish them off. Um, you know, they'd be sickened if Leinster beat them in the final again. So, mm. so yeah, it's all to play for, actually, in the Pro 14. It's so tight at the top in both conferences. So, uh, we have an exciting couple of weeks coming up. Well, you have a nice plug in for air sport. <laughs> kind of an oblique, cryptic plug air for air sport at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, Tommy. Well, I don't hear Luke plugging them. So <laughs> no, no, listen. I, of course, we, we've had so much fun myself, <laughs> yourself, Dunners, Strings, and Eddie. It's been, a, it's been a blast of a year so far. So hopefully, we finish on a Good high with, with an Irish final. Listen, just a quick, uh, we're, we're, we're finished up there. I just want to say thanks, Amelia, for coming on. It's great to have you on after what oh, was fine, a, man, no a, a, a mammoth Ulster performance. And we love to get you on again at some stage but thanks a million and uh, great to hear from you Tommy okay cheers Will cheers Lukey see you later that's all we have time from the left wing this week thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week with another great podcast where Keen Tracy will be sitting in this seat as the co-host alongside Luke Fitzgerald in the meantime you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes SoundCloud or listen on independent.ie so until next week thank you for listening and goodbye The Left Wing Podcast is in association with Aldi, official supermarket of the IRFU.